Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, the Kobe Bryant Memorial Service featured some emotional tributes from the world of women's basketball, and we'll share some of the highlights. Also... The NBA is in the final third of the regular season, so we'll size up where we think things are headed. But first, Darlene, let's run it! Buckets, Boards and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. On Tuesday in Los Angeles, the basketball world assembled inside Staples Center to pay tribute to Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi and the seven other friends of Kobe and Gigi who died in the helicopter crash on January 26th. Three of the speakers at the memorial service had ties to women's basketball. All were inspired by the Black Mamba in unique ways. The first to speak was Diana Taurasi, who was given the ultimate honor by Kobe as he nicknamed her the White Mamba. While they both represented the United States at the 2008 Olympics, their connection began more than a decade earlier. In 1996, I was a lanky, awkward freshman in high school, obsessively shooting night after night in my driveway. On the nights the Lakers played, I wouldn't miss a second of the game. Every time out, every commercial, I'd run to the front yard to imitate my favorite Laker, Kobe. On a few lucky occasions, my dad would come home from work. He was a metal sheet worker in Los Angeles. And he'd come home with Laker tickets. Watching Kobe play at the Great Western Forum as a rookie made this little girl believe she could be a Laker one day. It was like getting to know myself every single day. He made it okay to play play with an edge that borderlined crazy. Early onset Mamba mentality was in full effect. Years later, when I spent time with Kobe at the 2008 Olympics, I learned firsthand that it just wasn't limited to the basketball court. His competitive fire ran through his veins, just like many of us today. Every single workout, I end the same way with the Kobe game winner. Three hard dribbles going right. Left foot plant pivot. Swing right leg through. Elevate, square up. Follow through. Five in a row and I got to go home. It's that exact same shot that won us a championship in Phoenix in 2014. Kobe's willingness to do the hard work 
and make the sacrifice every single day inspired me and resonated with the city of Los Angeles. Another heartfelt tribute from the world of women's basketball didn't come from a woman. It came from Gino Oriyama, the legendary coach of the University of Connecticut and Diana Taurasi. While Kobe inspired Diana, he had a different relationship with Gino. Both were Philly guys and had connections to Italy. And coach Bryant wanted to learn from coach Oriyama whose 11 national championships may never be exceeded by any other coach. Kobe and I shared some history. He started in Italy, went to Philadelphia, and then went to the limelight and the lights and glamour of L.A. I was born in Philadelphia, went to Philly, and went to the cows up in stores. That was a joke because there's no lights and there's no glitz and glamour in stores, Connecticut. And how ironic that he would talk to me about coaching. The uncoachable one wants to talk about coaching. Probably the most uncoachable player in the NBA during his career wants to know about coaching. And I wanted to know why. He said, I'm coaching my daughter's team. I said, oh my God, that poor kid. So when I watched highlights of her playing, And on about the third or fourth time she touched the ball, Gianna passed it when she was open. I thought, she's not listening to her father. (laughs) So he would call and say, what kind of defensive drills should I do? We have practice tonight, we're gonna work on defense. What do you think is the most important thing in teaching man to man? Further proof, he never listened to one word any of his coaches told him. So I tried to explain to him. I said, Kobe, they're 13 years old. I think you ought to just say, hey, you know, see the kid with the ball. Try not to let her go by you and see if you're guarding the other guys. Hey, see the kid with the ball over there. Don't let her throw the ball to your guy. Keep it kind of simple, you know? He said, no, I want to know, like, what are the rotations when they drive? I said, come on, come on, come on. So these are the conversations that we have both as basketball people and as dads who have ever coached their kids, if you've ever been in that situation, like a lot of people here in this room probably have been. And I remember when Gigi came, as you saw in that video, she came to our very fir- uh, the very first game that she came to, and she came into the locker room. And here she is. And the look on her face, the smile, the way her eyes just took everything in, how excited she was to be around, in her mind, royalty. It's ironic. (laughs) Her father's royalty. And she's excited to be around royalty that looks just like what she wants to be. And the most impressive thing about that point in time was how Kobe stepped as far back as he could. So anyone taking pictures, anyone there, would not know that this was Kobe Bryant's daughter. This was her moment. This was her her time to shine. This was her time to experience all the things that he's experienced his whole life. He was being dad, he wasn't being Kobe Bryant. 
and he was allowing Gigi to be Gigi, not Kobe Bryant's daughter. In today's day and age, that's a hell of a thing for parents to be able to do. While Diana Taurasi and Kobe were contemporaries for parts of their careers, the second women's hooper to speak was Oregon's amazing Sabrina Ionescu. Sabrina and Kobe became friends shortly after Kobe's retirement. After his playing days ended, Kobe devoted himself to coaching Gigi and her youth team. And just as Kobe encouraged Gigi to pursue her dreams of playing ball at a high level, in Sabrina, he saw the type of dedicated player he respected and saw greatness in. Growing up, I only knew one way to play the game of basketball. Fierce, with obsessive focus. I was unapologetically competitive. I wanted to be the best. I loved the work even when it was hard, especially if it was hard. I knew I was different, that my drive was different. I grew up watching Kobe Bryant, game after game, ring after ring, living his greatness without apology. I wanted to be just like him, to love every part of the competition to be the first to show up and the last to leave, to love the grind, to be your best when you don't feel your best and make other people around you the best version of themselves, and to wake up and do it again the next day. So that's what I did. Wake up, grind, and get better. Wake up, grind, and get better. A year ago, my team, Oregon, was playing at USC. The morning of the game, our coaches told us that there was a surprise for the day. I was thinking Nike sent us some new shoes or swag or something. The game starts, and shortly after, Kobe walks in with his daughter, Gianna, and two of her teammates. They sat courtside while my jaw sat dropped. They watched the entire game, and that was the first time I met Kobe. Kobe, Gigi, and her teammates came into the locker room after the game. He congratulated us on the win that day in our season up to that point, but said, and I'll never forget, don't shoot yourselves in the foot. He meant don't settle, to keep grinding, control what you can. The national championship wasn't far and our goal was to win it all. I remember Gigi, excited and smiling in the locker room. I'd always watch a ton of film of her playing basketball. She had a fadeaway better than mine. I asked her where she wanted to play ball in college and she said UConn. She had the will and determination to be able to play wherever she wanted and if she wanted to go there, I wanted her there as well. She and her teammates hung out with us for a while, starstruck and a little shy, but always observing. Whichever school she would come to choose, it didn't matter. If I represented the present of the women's game, Gigi was the future, and Kobe knew it. So we decided to build a future together. I worked out twice with Gigi over the summer. I'd gone down to help Kobe coach his team. Gigi had so much of her dad's skill set. You could tell the amount of hours they spent in the gym, practicing her moves. She smiled all the time, but when it was game time, she was ready to kill. Her demeanor changed almost instantly when the whistle blew. I remember one time someone grabbed her jersey and she sort of just knocked him down and then stepped right over him. <laughs> Me and Kobe looked at each other, smiling, and he goes, I don't know where she learned that from. <laughs> I laughed and said, I do. You can't teach that, and definitely not at her age. Kobe was right. She had it. I love watching how hard she worked and how much her teammates loved her but also her own desire to be great. She always wanted to learn, to go to every game she could, college, NBA, WNBA. Kobe was helping her with that because he saw it in her, just like he saw it in me. His vision for others is always bigger than what they imagine for themselves. His vision for me was way bigger than my own. 
More importantly, he didn't just show up in my life and leave, he stayed. We kept in touch, always texting, calls, game visits. I'd drop a triple-double and have a text from him. A double triple-double I see with a flex emoji. Another game, another text. Yo, beast mode, or easy money. I felt some pressure early on in the season and he wrote to me, be you, it's been good enough and that will continue to be good enough. He taught me his step back. He told me that if I could bring that to my game, it'd be over for any defender trying to guard me. He told me how high my arc needed to be on my shot, how to angle my foot, which leg to kick out, how much power to push off. Real sharpness comes without effort, he said. He was giving me the blueprint. He was giving Gigi the same blueprint. He united us. He made it so that the outsiders who outworked everyone else, who were driven to be just a little bit different every single day, to make those around them, behind them, and above them a little bit better every single day. And they weren't the exception. They were the rule. True sharpness comes without effort. I just, I, that's the second time I've heard Sabrina Ionescu share that quote from Kobe, and it has struck me since I heard it. Um, to me, that phrase really speaks to the Mamba mentality, but I want to rewind just a little bit because it's important to me, Bruce, that folks understand the day that Sabrina Ionescu had, and I applaud ESPN and SportsCenter um, for pointing this out, but she had a game that night at Stanford. Um, she was on the cusp of breaking a record. She flew to the ceremony, delivered such powerful and relevant words to a crowd of 19, 20,000. Um, was not feeling well, apparently. Didn't warm up with her team. Plays in the game and then goes on to become the first college basketball player, man or woman, with 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, and 1,000 rebounds. Um, and at, in the post-game interview, which she actually did with our friend, LaChina Robinson, she said this one was for him, talking about Kobe, which I thought was such a beautiful moment. And so um, while the entire ceremony was touching and Diana had great words, Gino had great words, as did Shaq and Michael Jordan, yesterday to me was Kobe continuing to do the work that he had started doing so genuinely and sincerely and largely due to Gigi's want and desire to be at UConn and then on in the WNBA. But yesterday, put women's basketball in the spotlight in a way that I don't think we get an opportunity to see on a national level outside of the Final Four and with the women's Olympic team when we're talking about international competition. So I just, Sabrina, I just tip my hat to her on so many levels. Um, and I think it was really cool that Kobe still was able to push women's basketball forward um, in his absence yesterday. A lot of us who don't follow the game as closely as you do know Sabrina Ionescu's name. Uh, but now I think all of us are going to pay a little bit more attention every time she's on TV now because we want to see how how great a height she's going to be able to climb in the sport. And, and a lot of it, I think uh, we can trace that lineage right back there to the Black Mamba. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I obviously, I think those sound bites were well Chosen, shout out to you, Bruce. Um, and I think I actually heard LeBron say on Tuesday afternoon, he was asked about the ceremony and the scrum and someone asked him about closure. And he's like, you know, it's not, it's never really closed. Um, and I think that's true, especially for all of us that still love the game. Grief is such a process. 
I cannot express enough how impressed and inspired and just your heart went out to Vanessa Bryant. Um, her ability to keep her composure and get that speech out, mind-blowing. Like, what incredible strength. Um, I did. I will say one of my favorite moments came from MJ when he acknowledged that he would be a meme again. I thought that was a really great, genuine moment. Um, but, you know, like, so you're left with how do I live the mom mentality in my own life? I think for me, covering the women's game, you continue to grow that and treat that well. Um, and just you just move with respect. And even if at a minimum from all of this, I would hope that people move with a little bit more gratitude on a daily basis and realize that we take so much for granted. I got a text message from my older son, Mitchell, uh, later in the day after he saw that. I wasn't able to actually watch it live. I didn't. I watched it on tape uh, on Monday evening. But I got a text message from Mitchell who was so inspired just by the entire ceremony. He said, you know, watching the ceremony just drives home for me how important family is and how it's so important for us to treat each other well and with respect. And I thought, you know what? That's a smart young man. He must take after his mom. <laughs> I was just about to say, good job, Bruce. You seem like you raised a good, fine gentleman. <laughs> Full stop. All right, Bruce, we are now kicking things forward. Let's talk about the association. All right, right here in D.C., this is near and dear, close to home, literally, literally and figuratively. Frustrating season for the Wiz kids. They've struggled and are currently out of the playoff picture. I don't anticipate that changing. But our guy from the University of Florida... I think what is what is Brad clocking? Standing at six five, just under two hundred pounds. Uh, Bradley Bill has been getting buckets all season long, um, and he's making a late season surge. He could help the Wiz get to the eighth spot in the East. I don't really anticipate it. We're recording this before the Wiz kids play Brooklyn on Wednesday, and Bill is looking for his third straight fifty point game. Uh, fun note, Bruce. According to Sports Center Monday night, Bradley was the first player since Kobe did it in 2007 to record back-to-back 50-point games. He put up a double nickel against the Bucks on Monday night and preceded that with 53 against the Cavs. Um, do people are, do you know about Bradley Bill other than this story or is this just like a DC problem? What's going on here? I think everybody knows Bradley Beal. I mean, any, anybody who really follows the game because Bradley Beal has been the bright spot on a tough season for the Wiz. And really, there are some people that are starting to wonder, he's so good and he just signed that big contract extension. Should the Wizards maybe think about seeing what they can get for Bradley and maybe start over? There might be some teams out there that might be in contention that might have some assets available, some multiple first round picks, let's say possibly a team that might reside in the 617, if you know where that is, who has multiple assets that maybe could use a stud like Bradley Beal and also to help the Wizards rebuild their franchise for the future. I mean, he's a class act. He's been great. He's another guy who's a big supporter of the WNBA, right? He shows up at WNBA games a lot. So uh, we're really happy for Brad. uh, And unfortunately, it hasn't been enough to really lift that team very high. 617 is Boston? Uh, I believe that is correct, Monica. 
But y'all got Jason Tatum. Come on, Bruce. You're being greedy now. <laughs> You're being greedy. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to think, gee, how can the Wizards get the most for this guy to help rebuild their franchise? Because, you know, they need assets. Look, it's probably not a great fit for Boston. But you hate to see a guy in the prime of his career playing as well as he's playing with a team that isn't really going to be a factor in the postseason. You just kind of want to see him either get some help in D.C., right, where they can, you know, grow together and be a good team there or, you know, get a chance to play on a bigger stage with more attention. I agree with you 1,000%. I do think um, it was funny. I did a show with the Undefeated on Tuesday, and the question was, do we take issue with Bradley showing his frustration? I take zero issue with Brad showing his frustration because I think people need to separate the money from the desire to win basketball games. If he didn't show any frustration, then the conversation would be, oh, is he complacent? He's getting all his money. He doesn't want to win. These guys get paid lots of money to play the game of basketball, but they got to that level because of a degree of meticulousness, desire to win, and competitiveness, and money doesn't change the competitor. I have no problem with him being frustrated openly. I do know that he signed the two-year extension. I think everybody knew this year was going to be what we will call a rebuilding year for the Wizards, Brad included. But if the Wizards can't find a way to put some talent around him, I would be in full support of him going to a place where he's going to be in the best position to win. Because it is very sad. I I would hate for Bradley Bill to be in the same bucket as Devin Booker. I really hope Phoenix figures it out because Devin Booker is so talented and you got Aiton around him. I can't think of the guard's name off the top of my head. So they're starting to put pieces together in Phoenix. Um, You hate to see guys that are supremely talented sort of wasting away. Well, they also have former Wizards great Kelly Oubre Jr. there in Phoenix too. So, you know, know, how soon you guys forget. He's out of the DMV. He's out of my mind. I know, and he was such a great guy. I was, of course, he left and flourished in a way that we had not seen. But anyway, we'll we'll move on from that one. All right, so uh, Lakers, they struggled to beat your Celtics on Sunday, but they're on top in the West. And what we love and should be a reality series out in LA is the Morris brothers, twins, not just brothers, identical twins identical tattoos they Um, are like oh my god they're like amazing right so i think i don't want to mess up my dates but at last i think when the news first started to surface one of them said that they would live together if the other got to the other team so marcus is with the clippers marquee is with the lakers now i totally think they should have a youtube reality show I, and I think they should do this podcast and we should just, you know, have them come on and, you know, let you kind of, you know, help them settle their personal living arrangements, you know, because they need, you know, a little outside influence to help set them straight. Now, they are practically identical in the way that they play as well, although I think Marcus is a little bit more lethal uh, on the perimeter. Um the Lakers still atop the West. Everybody believes that the Western Conference Finals will still be set in the Staples Center with just a change of the colors on the court. When you look at the addition of the brother or the twins to each team, who got better? Well, I think most people feel like the Clippers are better because they have a little bit more depth. But I'm still on the Lakers. I mean, 
you can have all the depth you want, but I'm a LeBron James guy. I will always be a LeBron James guy. Uh, till the day I don't care anymore, I will say that LeBron James, when his career is done, will go down as the greatest all-around player. I know that I'm going to get the Michael Jordan fans looking at me like I'm nuts. I got that, all right? But I'm still on the Lakers bandwagon here. I think Anthony Davis and LeBron, most nights, they're going to have the two best players on the court. And usually when you have the two best players on the court, you win. Um, I'm still taking the Clippers. I got you. It's going to be a great series. It's going to go seven games. I'm still leaning toward the Clippers. All right, let's jump back to the East, though, Bruce. Kyrie's season is over. Shoulder surgery. Are we worried about his continued health issues if you are the Brooklyn Nets front office? How could you not be, right? Because it's like different injuries, right? It's like it's like that game Operation. Remember that game when you were a kid? It's like <laughs> Yeah, every time every time you look at Kyrie something's buzzing, you know? Something's not something's not working right. And again, uh, this season was going to, you know, once we knew KD wasn't going to play this season, you kind of knew this wasn't going to be the real Nets anyway. But you saw, sort of felt like, okay, Kyrie can kind of get guys, you know, onto the program, so to speak. But this, I just don't know. I mean, so he gets hurt every year. I mean, and he, he played like 11 games in college, right? It, mm-hmm. It's like he's never really been durable. KD is now north of 30, right? Kyrie's still, you know, south of 30. So I don't know. I mean, I soured on Kyrie a little bit last year because of the way he handled things in Boston. But I figured, you know what, once KD's in in the mix with him, Kyrie can go back to being 1A instead of having to be the number one guy. And I think he's more comfortable as 1A than, than number one. But the durability issue, you know, I mean... That would worry me. So here's my thing. I think the silver lining, the board, shall we call it, of this situation may be for Brooklyn that Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, those guys get off at Boogie and raise their trade value tremendously. Um, And I said this all along when this announcement was made that those guys are going to Brooklyn. It was not as if Brooklyn... I love this organization, but it's not as if Brooklyn were the ne- the Knicks and needed to be resurrected, so to speak. That was a playoff team. Um, I still think we talk about Bradley Bill and his money. Like, we're dealing with NBA players who are competitive, who are talented, who work on their craft, whether they're all-stars or not. These guys are elitely talented and pour hours upon hours into their game. I also think... That even though Kyrie and KD are friends, outside of the Olympic team, this will still be the first time that they played together. And we saw in Miami when this super fragilistic team thing started to happen in today's NBA, it's not always add star, sprinkle talent equals championship. So the, the East is probably the most competitive it's been in a while, and I don't expect that to change. Yes, KD makes you heads and shoulders above your competition but we still dealing with Giannis if the Philly can figure it out you know what I mean like it's I don't know that it's going to be as much of an instant pot recipe for success as people are liking to believe and just because they're friends again we got to get into an 82 game season we got to play off of each other there's still one basketball does KD have this 
inner revenge tour, <laughs> like that he's got to prove now that he's separate from the Warriors. Like, is Kyrie still on? Look what I can do away from Boston. How does that part mesh together? So, this question for me about Kyrie's injury, and I also I don't know the ins and outs of the shoulder injury, but if this was a thing. I would have rather him dealt with this sooner rather than later than all of this back and forth plan around kind of stupid stuff that we've dealt with the last three weeks. hundred percent, Monica. I, I have nothing to add. I, I completely agree with you. Well, look at that. <laughs> Nailed it. How about that? How about that? <laughs> all right. So uh, we're recording this pod on Tuesday night. The Lakers and the Pelicans are slated to go at it tonight. Um, but in general, Let's talk about Zion, Bruce. I personally think that New Orleans is fun and light enough and could grab the East spot in the West. Uh, but in general, I mean, where are we in general? Like, are, are you all in on Zion or are we just, is this still, he's still fresh because his season just started. The more we see of him, how could you not be impressed? I mean, he's just, you know, got this amazing talent and, you know, physical gifts it's sort of like what we've been saying before, though. He's still not in peak condition for basketball. He's going to get there, right? He's still a young guy. Uh, but how can you not be impressed with what this guy does out there? He's just in permanent beast mode. I mean, and uh, he's an unselfish player. He's he's a passer. He seems to be a you know, willing team player. So, and... There's some good guys around him there too. I mean, you know, Brandon Ingram and and Drew Holiday. I mean, there there's some talent there. So yeah, hopefully they can grow together. I'm a huge fan of Alvin Gentry. Um, a friend of mine pointed out the other day, reminded me of this that the Warriors' first title, Alvin was a top assistant under Steve, so that was like his offense. So bring that to New Orleans. Let's go with Mardi Gras. We love it. Um, I love that offense. I love those young kids with swag. I don't know what they'll do this year. I wouldn't put it past them to jump up and get the eighth spot, but I don't expect them to get out of the first round. Um, but a couple years from now, this unit, they can stay together. They can stay healthy. I'm all about it. For Zion, Tim Legler is one of my favorite NBA analysts, and he made a point recently about, about Zion having to go up against length that he has not yet seen. Um, he pointed out the way he struggled in the Bucks game with their front line, the Brooks, the Brooks brothers, the <laughs> the Lopez brothers, um, and then Giannis, of course. That's similar to probably what he'll deal with against the Lakers, and if obviously if they get into the playoffs. So I'm I'm still watching. So far, I have been impressed. Off the court, I think he's been incredibly composed. I keep forgetting that he's 19 too. In addition to all of this, um, I think there's lots of upside there. I will say that to this point. I agree with you that he's still getting into shape. The body makeup and composition and third heaviest and this, that, and the other has been less of a factor than I think people thought it would be. Can you play? Yes, he can play. Can you get us boards and blocks? Can you get us buckets? (laughs) You got us all of that for sure. Okay. And back in the East. You're, is, is there a rivalry in Philly and Boston? Is that fair to say? Um, it, it, historically, it has been. Uh, okay. This year, they played four times. Philly won three of them, right? Although Philly's not exactly peaking at this point in the season. They seem to have played better earlier. And now they're going to have to 
play for a little while without uh, Ben Simmons, their point guard. Um, that's an all-star player you're taking out of the mix, and that's a team that can't really win on the road at all. They're great at home, but, you know, you still got to play half your games on the road, right? And they will definitely need to be on the road to get through the playoffs, so they better handle their business and get home court advantage. Um, you mentioned Ben Simmons being out, but Joel Embiid has proclaimed that he's the best player in the world. You're not sold, Bruce? <laughs> oh, I love Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid uh, is great. I mean, he had 49 the other night, made like 15 out of 16 from the line. So you can't follow him. If you follow him, he's going to make two. Uh, he can pretty much get what he wants. But it's weird sometimes just watching them. And I'm worried. I mean, Brett Brown is a great, great guy. And a lot of people say he's a really great coach. The Al Horford thing hasn't really worked out. They still haven't really kind of figured that all out. How, how you know, maybe with Ben out, Al could become a little bit more of a playmaker, but he's kind of at a funny position on the floor to do that, right? He's not a guy who's going to handle the ball, you know, to, to, to initiate the offense. So, I mean, I call that team a mess right now. As great as Joel Embiid is, they gotta they gotta come. You know, Brett Brown's gonna have to come up with something because with no Simmons out there, um, who's gonna who's gonna ignite that team? I mean, Joel's great. I don't think he's the greatest, but he's great. He's the greatest trash talker. Okay, so look, Bruce, what happens if they go? What if they ha- What happens if they go? Let's say seven and three out of their next ten, and Ben's out. What is that like? That that's my thing because now it seems like the surface conversation is that those two can't struggle to exist on the floor at the same time because of their skill set. Okay, basketball logic, that makes sense. So now, what if we stumble into some addition by subtraction? Then what? Well, that's that happens a lot. I mean, that that happened the year that Kyrie missed the playoffs and Terry mm-hmm. Rozier went nuts for Boston and it's like, gee, maybe they're better without Kyrie. And then, you know, nobody really believed that. But now it kind of looks like it might have been true, even though Terry Rozier is also out of there, Kemba Walker in. I really, you know, that's one of the things that makes sports so full of mystery a lot of times. Things that you expect to happen somehow or another, the chemistry changes, someone changes their strategy a little bit. And we'll see. But I, I mean, some people have said, and I'm, you know, I've heard it. I can't tell you who said it, that between Joel and Ben, one of those guys is going to have to move on at some point. But, geez, you know, they're both so talented in their own way. You just want to see that somehow or another work. Mm, could they go to the early season, although it's changed, the early season D'Antoni strategy where, like, one's on the floor and the other's not? <laughs> No, you can't. I mean, they're both all-stars, right? I mean, if you do that, then you might as well just trade one of them because you're saying it doesn't work. Yeah, that is that is an admission for sure, for sure. Well, we will all be watching carefully. Of course, we got to get through March Madness because, you know, college is coming. But that puts us about a month away from the playoffs. And the craziness down the stretch of, I guess, the NBA's own March Madness is, because it's, it's going to come down to a wire, the wire. We're going to have, like, probably, what, four teams on each side? Well, three at least, jockeying for, like, those last three spots. Yeah, and, I mean, that that's great for the fans of those teams. But, you know, none of those teams will be a threat to, you know, to win it all. I mean, look, whoever comes in eighth in the East is not beating Milwaukee. And whoever comes <laughs> in eighth in the West is not beating the Lakers. 
So, you know, but for their fans, it's exciting because even, you know, if, if you're on the outside looking in and you say, oh, we made the playoffs, especially if you're a young team, you can use that to kind of springboard into next season and say, okay, we, we, we at least finished the season with a head of steam and some positive vibes and then get ready for next season. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, nobody. In, I mean, who did we have on the other show? Uh, on Mike Wise's show the other day, we had Howard Beck on, and he believes Boston can beat Milwaukee in the East. He didn't predict that they would. He said that they could. You know, we'll see. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to believe it, but but I like Milwaukee too. I mean, I just like good teams. I like seeing teams that are special. Now, when you're yeah. winning 70 games, you're special. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Let's have good basketball. Lots of buckets. We want buckets. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. That will do it for this week's edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Thanks to my producer and loyal sidekick, Bruce Bernstein, as well as our terrific editor, Ben Wolfen. Please check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. Fridays, we have the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Mondays, we have the Mike Wise Show, and Mike's guest this week was Howard Beck of Bleacher Report. On Tuesday, it's our newest show, Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams. Wednesdays, it's Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin. And I'm back every Thursday with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. We'll see you next week. Please rate, review, and listen to all of our shows. Until next week, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 